This is the Stanley Avenue Church of Christ. We're going to be going through our weekly readings for the year of 2020. We're going to start in Genesis chapter 1. Our goal is to go through the book of Genesis chapter by chapter throughout uh, the year. Shouldn't be too hard. We've only got about one chapter a week to cover, uh, giving us a couple by weeks if we need it, or a couple uh, cases to elaborate if we need that. Going through the book of Genesis is very important. This is the foundation uh, for much of what we believe about God. Jesus appealed to the creation itself as the foundation for several doctrines. So it is very important for us to come back to the book of Genesis on a regular basis. These are not just child stories. These are not just stories we teach our children and then we fail or uh, forget to come back and to review. These are stories that were given and delivered to adults. And we have to remember that these stories were originally given uh, to the Israelites as they were preparing to go into Canaan. That's at least uh, the best we can surmise. I'm not going to try to force or push exactly when and who wrote this. It just seems readily apparent that um, most people accept Moses is the author. That's the way Jesus approached it. Therefore, this is a preparatory book to the generation that is about to enter into the land or perhaps a book to the uh, generation that left the, uh, uh, the Exodus and then failed uh, to, to learn from it. So many of the things we see in Genesis are going to be teaching opportunities for the Israelites while they're in the wilderness. And I think it's very valuable to see the book of Genesis first from that standpoint before we enter into the process of trying to figure out how all this applies to us. So much of the law itself, much of the circumstances and the stories in the wilderness are going to compare back here to Genesis. Uh, there's a lot of really important points here. So Genesis was not just written as a history. Genesis was written as a, as a, a, a textbook, as a teaching tool. And so in each story, we're not just trying to learn interesting information. We're trying to learn God's mind. And we're trying to learn what he expected and what he wanted from the children of Israel. So right here at the beginning, if you have your Bibles, go ahead and follow along. Um, I'm going to go ahead and read from the NET for this series. Um, but I have a couple of other uh, versions uh, open to me as well. And you're, you're free to, to read along in your own Bible as we go. We're going to start here in Ge uh, Genesis chapter 1, where it says most famously, In the beginning... God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was without shape and empty, and darkness was over the surface of the watery deep, but the Spirit of God was hovering, moving over the surface of the water. God said, Let there be light. And there was light. God saw that the light was good, so God separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day and the darkness night. There was evening and morning, marking the first day. Well, then God said, Let there be an expanse in the midst of the waters, and let it separate water from water. So God made the expanse and separated the water under the expanse from the water above it, and it was so. God called the expanse sky. There was evening, there was morning, a second day. God said, Let the water under the sky, be gathered to one place, and let the dry ground appear. And it was so. God called the dry ground land, and gathered waters he called seas. 
God saw that it was good. God said, let the land produce vegetation, plants yielding seeds and trees on the land, bearing fruit with seed in it according to their kinds. It was so. The land produced vegetation, plants yielding seed according to their kinds, trees bearing fruit with seed in it according to their kinds. God saw that it was good. There was evening, there was morning, a third day. God said, Let there be lights in the expanse of the sky to separate the day from the night, and let them be signs to indicate seasons and days and years, and let them serve as lights in the expanse of the sky to give light on the earth. It was so. God made two great lights, the greater light to rule over the day, and the lesser light to rule over the night. He made the stars also. God placed the lights in the expanse of the sky to shine on the earth, to preside over the day and, and the night, and to separate the light from the darkness. God saw that it was good. There was evening, and there was morning, a fourth day. God said, Let the water swarm with swarms of living creatures. Let the birds fly above the earth across the expanse of the sky. God created the great sea creatures and every living thing and moving thing which, uh, with which the water swarmed according to their kinds and every winged bird according to its kind. God saw it was good. God blessed them and said, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the waters and the seas and let the birds multiply on the earth. There was evening there was morning, a fifth day. God said, Let the land produce living creatures, according to their kinds, cattle, creeping things, wild animals, each according to its kind. It was so. God made the wild animals according to their kinds, the cattle according to their kinds, all creatures that creep on along the ground according to their kinds. God saw that it was good. Then God said, let us make humankind in our image, after our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air, over the cattle and all of the earth, over all the creatures that move on the earth. God created humankind in his own image. In the image of God he created them, male and female he created them. God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth, and subdue it. Rule over the fish of the sea, and the birds of the air, and every creature that moves on the ground. Then God said, I now give you every seed-bearing plant on the face of the entire earth, and every tree that has fruit with seed in it. They will be yours for food. And to all the animals of the earth, and to every bird of the air, and to all the creatures that move on the ground, everything that has living breath in it, I give every green plant for food. It was so. God saw all that he had made, and it was very good. And there was evening and morning, the sixth day. Let's go ahead and finish out creation at the beginning of chapter 2. And the heavens and the earth were completed with everything that was in them. By the seventh day God finished the work that he was doing, and he ceased on the seventh day all the work that he had been doing. God blessed the seventh day, made it holy, because on it he ceased all the work that he had been doing in creation. 
All right, so we've got this uh, this story now of Genesis, the uh, the story of creation, which is so important uh, to us as Christians, as God believers. Uh, this is the greatest difference that separates us from an unbelieving world. It's even the greatest difference between us and most, if not all, other religions. Uh, it certainly was the great difference maker for the Jewish religion to the other religions around them. And it's certainly the case today, where other people believe in different manners of gods or deities or spiritual beings or no spiritual beings. It all comes down to this. Did God, the singular God of the universe, make all things? And if so, that is very significant. What I want us to see is a couple of the details of the creation account. First is the sequence of the creations. You may have noticed that the creation account was, was coupled into two halves, that there was a first half and a second half to the creation. And each half mirrors the other. So in the first half, he creates light, and then he uh, separates waters, and then he produces fruit from... Uh, from out of the waters and out of the land. And then the second half of creation, he again starts with light, and then he moves to separation of waters, and then to producing fruit uh, out, of, out of them. And so these two halves are intended to mirror each other, so the creation of light on day one, and the creation of the stars and the sun on day four. You've got the creation of... Um, of, of the separation of the skies and the waters or the, the, the heavens above and, and the things below, uh, as opposed to the way that he puts animals' life uh, into the oceans and into the skies. This is the first place where life is, uh, or uh, uh, animal life is. And then you've got the uh, life out of the waters, out of the dry ground that come up on day three, mirroring the same kind of life on land uh, happening on day six. So these two halves are intended to mirror each other, but more so I think that there's a lot of spiritual significance to all this. Uh, while we can still teach that all this really happened, we can also teach that there is great uh, spiritual symbolism behind all this. What does it mean for God to create light as the very first thing of creation and for him to separate the light from the darkness. That's a very important point. And what we find is these first three days of creation are all about separation, that he separates light from darkness on day one. What is this supposed to teach the Israelites? It's supposed to teach them that there's a difference between good and evil, that God is revealing to the Israelites, he is revealing to them his light. And uh, so many of the things surrounding the, the Mount Sinai, the sanctuary, the tabernacle had to do with light and being uh, him, God, the light, being the source of, of their goodness and their righteousness and their holiness. So for God to begin with light is very appropriate and it's something that the Israelites would have seen. Uh, they would have witnessed God's light and the separation between good that he represents and the evil of Egypt and its influence that they have just come from. Then you've got the separation of the waters below and the waters above. So again, a separation where the Israelites are, are being called to a kind of a higher plane. Uh, and then you've got on the third day a separation from what is dry, uh, from, what is, uh, from what is wet, uh, and then the bearing of fruit uh, coming out of that. I like the point that the first living things come up out of this 
freshly out of the water land. Uh, so this is kind of the traces of baptism right here at the very beginning that, uh, that we have waters encompassing, immersing the entire earth and that uh, God's spirit is encompassing that. So even in the first couple, uh, two verses of Genesis 1, we have a, uh, a baptism of sorts of both water and spirit. And then out of this water comes the first produce of life. Uh, and the same is, of course, true today. What I want to see uh, in this is the way the Israelites may have seen this. Um, and you may notice that the, the order of creation very much mirrors many of the things that the Israelites would have seen in their exodus, uh, or, or at least this pattern of coming out of Egypt and being prepared to be God's people. And so in, uh, in, in, in the first couple verses, we've got um, an earth, a planet, which is formless, it's void, it, it lacks a significant amount of, of meaning and, and order, and the same is, would be said of the uh, children of Israel, that they, as the people of God, they, as God's creation, were, while they were in Egypt, lacking the uh, order and sequence. They were formless and empty and void, we would call it. Darkness encompassed them, that they didn't really know Yahweh. They didn't know what they ought to know. They knew enough to cry out to God, but they didn't know enough to be the people they, they really needed to be. And God's Spirit was listening to them, just as the Spirit here is hovering over the surface of the water. So for God to say, let there be light, uh, this is his revelation to them. As, as Moses, as he revealed himself to Moses, uh, through this shining light up on the mountain that drew Moses to him to speak out of the burning bush, uh, that was the beginning point of God's revelation to the people. Um, uh, comes through that light, and so uh, the people as well as they were going through the um, the plagues. One of the significant ones, remember, was the uh, the darkness over Egypt, but there was light in the land of Israel, so that there was a separation, a barrier between light and darkness, even in that plague. But even then, as as they were uh, coming up to the waters of the Red Sea. Remember, they, they were trapped against it and they panicked. They were a people formless and void and dark in darkness, right up there trapped against the Red Sea. And what does God do? But he creates this pillar of fire out of the sky, and that pillar of fire comes and separates the Egyptians from the Israelites. That is supposed to mirror uh, the way God is creating even the earth. And so I think the Israelites, as they were reading this creation account or listening to it, they should have been thinking about how their own creation as a people mirrors the creation of all things. And so this light and the separation of good from darkness, so the, the Egyptians represented darkness and he separated them from the light of the Israelites. And of course, uh, then what happens but the, uh, the um, uh, there's, a, there's a cloud above them, which is the Spirit of God as well, and, and uh, though they are crossing, you know, through the night, remember Paul said in uh, 1 Corinthians 10 that there was a cloud uh, above them and waters on all sides, and so they are immersed, they are covered in water just as the earth was covered in water here, uh, that the Spirit of God was hovering over them in that cloud as they are passing through the Red Sea, and uh, there's a separation of the waters below and the waters above. 
and then what happens but that they come through the other side and that this uh uh the the waters part and what appears is dry ground and they're able to pass through it and this becomes what can be said is the first fruits of the people uh that they are now going to start to be qualified as a as a brand new people uh, just as God had commanded the earth to produce, be fruitful, and multiply, the same is going to be said of the people of Israel, that the uh, the people of the covenant of Abraham, that they would be as numerous as the stars in the heaven, as numerous as the granules on the seashore, be fruitful and multiply, is the way they are to uh, to approach life. And so they are to be fruitful, not just in having children, but the idea is that they should be fruitful in their righteousness. God called them out of Egypt to be a righteous people, a fruitful people, zealous for good works and, uh, and good deeds and sharing and, and kindness and mercy and, and all those types of good things. That's what God wanted from the people. Uh, that's what he commanded them through the law. And then you have day four which is uh, of creation, which is talking about... Um, uh, talking about the uh, the creation of the stars uh, and and the sun and the, the greater and the lesser light the moon isn't it interesting that through the law the uh, the observance of the feast days and the special days were to be done based on how they uh, were able to interpret the sun and the moon uh, and so as as day four unfolds and it says that these are to regulate uh, the times and the seasons and the days, the Israelites certainly would have thought about that as they were given the commands to meet and to observe certain special holy days uh, based on how they observed the sun and even the moon. And so it became a very special way in which God would provide order. Um, and so, in a way, this creation of sun and moon on day four is mirroring the law itself, uh, that which is supposed to order them and keep them in line and tell them where to go and what to do and when to do it. Uh, so the law itself was serving as their greater and lesser lights. Uh, that itself reflected the greater light of God. So just as the sun and the stars are not the ultimate source of light, they are reflectance of God's light. So also the law itself is a reflectant of God's greater light as well. And I think the stories of Moses on Sinai and the lights involved in that whole process help to show that as well. And then we've got the uh, the creation of the birds uh, in the uh, uh, in the fish, kind of the first life forms uh, out of this, and the creation of the beasts and the animals. They are coming out of this too. So um, uh, God is uh, showing them. I think that uh, throughout many of the passages, and we're going to see this more clearly in chapter um, 7 and 8 uh, with the flood, the multitude of animals is often meant to mirror the way that uh, they saw foreigners and Gentiles. Uh, it was often the case that uh, foreigners and Gentiles were, were seen symbolized uh, parabolically through the, uh, through the animals. Uh, remember in Acts uh, chapter 10 with uh, the spirit showing Peter the vision letting down the net in which there were all sorts of animals arise Peter kill and eat they're they're not unclean anymore Peter understood that to mean the Gentiles so I, I, I do think there's a, a strong correlation with that even here more so in the flood account but uh, remember that the um, 
uh, there were many Gentiles, many foreigners uh, that were traveling with the Israelites in the wilderness. And then when they inherited the land of Palestine, there would be many foreigners, uh, sojourners, aliens residing in the land with them. And so these, these, uh, these as well uh, were, were part of this picture of God's creation. But the most important thing of God's creation is, of course, man and woman uh, created in his own image. Now, we're going to see, a, I think, a higher correlation to this in chapter 2 to how that might have been uh, seen as important in the, uh, the Israelite culture. But uh, if, if we're to symbolize all living creatures to mean uh, all mankind in general, then the creation of the humans, Adam and Eve, are going to somehow symbolize the, uh, the special nature of the Israelites, the, the children of Abraham, as being specially created in God's own special image. And then he gives them the command to be fruitful, to multiply, to rule over the earth. We find through many of the prophets and even the Psalms, very similar things were said to the Israelites, that it was their uh, that God's expectation for them is that they would become preeminent and dominant over the nations. This was supposed to be done through righteousness, through mercy and kindness and service. Uh, this was supposed to be their light uh, shining to the Gentiles. And through the Messiah, they would come to then inherit the world. So we've got that in terminology uh, that's pretty common. We, we see that fulfilled through Jesus in a very spiritual way. And so God sees that all this is is good. He uh, he sees the um, or he gives them the all the food, uh, all the green things to eat. Likewise, through the law, he prescribes many of the clean things that are theirs uh, to partake of. And this is the way that they needed to see uh, the the promised land. And again, we're going to see that more in chapter two when we get there. But the writer here concludes uh, the completion of creation through the seventh day. And interestingly, it took seven days for the Israelites to depart from Goshen and get to the Red Sea, and uh, they were eating the, uh, the Feast of Unleavened Bread that whole time, and uh, so that itself kind of mirrors the creation process. And now by the seventh day, the Sabbath God institutes to the people through the law. The Sabbath was a very important day for them, and even in, uh, in, in Exodus uh, 20, God calls upon this creation account uh, as to why he wants them to observe the Sabbath day also. This is going to represent the rest that God will give them in the promised land if they will uh, obey him, if they will follow his order. Uh, but, of course, in the law we find that if they choose to remain formless and void, if they choose to reject their purpose as a creation, then God uh, will then kick them out of the land. He will unmake them, uh, and that, of course, is seen again through the flood uh, that God will judge uh, even his people should they fail. All right, we'll pick up with this conversation more uh, in our next study in Genesis chapter 2.